Well, I want you to open your Bibles with me, and we're going to be in a couple of different passages today, uh, but there's one that I want to spend a little bit of time up front in, and that's in Mark chapter 9, so you can go ahead and, and turn to that passage. And just to give you full uh, disclosure of what we're going to be talking about today, we're going to be talking about prayer and fasting. We're going to be talking about prayer and fasting and kind of the, the statement or the, uh, you know, kind of the exclamation, if you will, of those two, uh, you know, uh, complementing uh, disciplines in the spiritual journey is that they're game changers, that they actually make an impact and make a difference in our lives. It goes beyond anything that we could ever possibly understand, that they, they are things that, that truly change our destiny. Now, we are starting today at 21 days of prayer and fasting. And we've talked about this over the last few weeks. We've asked you to be praying about what God might have you do in regards to prayer and fasting. Uh, of, of literally saying, like, I'm going to, to set something aside in order to seek Him more uh, deliberately and more diligently. And some people are going to be fasting from foods. And some people are going to be, you know, doing the Daniel fast or doing juice fasts. Or uh, other people might do uh, technology fast, uh, electronics, where they'll set aside their phones, which I know there are some people who would rather go 21 days without food than 21 days without their phone. I, I know that's a, that's a real thing. And so we've asked you to be praying about what it is that you might do as we take this time to literally kind of, in a, in a setting, in a way, kind of set aside one thing in order to experience something new and different. And in fact, our children, uh, Jane, who leads the uh, ministry of our kids, she actually handed out something to our kids, which I think is really cool. And in fact, if I had seen it before, I might have even done it in this room here today, because it's, it's kind of cool what she's doing, because what she's given our kids is she's given them two different cups. And so one says, give up, and one says, fill up. And so what they're asking the kids to do to help them understand what fasting really is all about is they have to take time to, to take this cup, and then she gave them these, these, uh, these pieces of paper. And in one piece of paper, she listed out these little squares here that they can cut out. And I'll just read some of them to you. It says video games, sugary foods and candies, TVs, tablets, and phones, uh, being a, alone in my room away from my family, uh, bread, cereals, cookies, and cakes, uh, TV, uh, well, she repeats some of these things. I guess they're doing it every week. Uh, and so what they do is they're asking them to, to cut these out, the things that they're willing to give up, and to cut them out and to put them in the give up cup, okay? And then on the other side, they have this document that she's giving out. And some of the things here is to clean up your room and pray for my family. Uh, family devotional night. Uh, pray through the Lord's Prayer. Pray for other people today. Organize the junk drawer in my kitchen to help my mom. Uh, clean my bedroom or do the dishes. And so there's, there's lots of different things here. There are others here. And they're going to cut out what they're going to do. And so what they'll do is they'll cut out the things they're going to give up. And they'll cut out the things that they're going to fill up, that they're going to fill this cup up with to do during this season of 21 days as they understand the discipline of, the spiritual discipline of, of prayer and of fasting. You see, the idea here is something that literally is just kind of a, a, a statement that goes all the way back to Old Testament times of people being willing to set aside things that are important in order to seek the face in the presence of God. And that really is what we're going to be talking about. That's what we're going to be doing. And in fact, we asked some of our kids this week, like, hey, 
what is it that you are actually going to be doing during this time of fasting? And I just want to share this, this brief little video with you. It's really cute, but it also helps us to understand if these kids get it, maybe we should too. Let's watch. Okay, you can just look at me and we'll just have, we'll stop. So what is fasting? Fasting is like when you give up something to get closer to God. Fasting is giving up something. Um, it's when you give up something like pizza. Well, he said like pizza, you don't, you stop eating it for like a week or something or like a month. Fasting is giving something away that you love. What are you choosing to give up? Candy. I'm going to give up... Probably electronics. Spending time in my room. Uh, I'll do like TV screen. My giant ice cream skishmallow. Oh, you're good. What are you going to choose to fill up? I'm going to fill up God. I'm planning to fill up on the Bible and God. Um, fill up reading my Bible more and praying. I'm going to fill up my time. Instead of doing gym, I'm going to um, read the Bible. J-O-Y. I'm going to fill up time with Jesus. Amazing. I love it. Perfect. Isn't that great to see the kids actually getting and understanding what this really is all about, of setting aside something that you love in order to spend more time with God. And that one sweet little girl who's going to give up her ice cream squishmallow. Does anyone know what an ice cream squishmallow is? Anyone in the room? There's some that do. Awesome. Speak to me afterwards. I, I, I have no clue what an ice cream squishmallow is, but she's giving it up in order to spend more time with God. So the question we have today is like, why is prayer and fasting so very important? And there's a great passage in scripture that helps us to kind of underscore, and we're gonna go through several today, but there's one I wanna start with today in Mark chapter nine. And in Mark chapter nine, we find the story of Jesus who obviously this is in the middle of his ministry and he's walking around doing incredible things to minister to people, to heal the sick and to raise the dead and, and to share great stories or, or parables of, of the power of God and what God can do and, and why it's important to, to seek God, why it's important to have spiritual disciplines in our journey. And in all of these things, what we see is that right in the middle, Jesus encounters a group of people. He comes into kind of a church setting and they're arguing. So isn't it cool to know that in 2024, it's not a lot different than it was in, in back in this time, right? They're, the church people were together and there was a conflict. There was some confusion. There was a little bit of an argument that was taking place. And that's the setting that, that sets up, if you will, what we're going to read here from Mark chapter 9, verse 14, is where we start. And in Mark chapter 9, verse 14, it says this. It says, when they came to the disciples. Now, this is a group of people. Uh, they came and Jesus uh, had arrived. When they came to the disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and scribes disputing with them, arguing. And so when the whole crowd saw him, saw Jesus, they were amazed. They ran to greet him. And he asked them, what are you arguing with them about? Now, understand, this is one of those places in Scripture that we find often where Jesus asks a question. Now, let me ask you a question, if I could. Why is it that Jesus ever asked a question? Think about that for a moment. Because Jesus is what? He is God, 
right? And God is all-knowing, he's all-powerful, he's all-present, right? So he asked the question, but it's a question of which he already knew the answer, but he asked the question here, and he did so, and in every other setting in Scripture, when Jesus asks a question, it's to set up an opportunity to teach, to set up an opportunity for truth. And so here's what Jesus said. He asked this question, uh, what are you arguing with him about? And so someone from the crowd answered him and said, teacher, I brought my son to you, and he has a spirit that makes him unable to speak, and whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams at the mouth, he grinds his teeth, and he becomes rigid. And I ask your disciples to drive it out, but they couldn't. Now, I want you to underline or highlight or circle, if you have your Bibles open there in that passage, underline that statement, but they couldn't. Verse 19, Jesus replied to them, you unbelieving generation, how long will I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring him to me. So they brought the boy to him. And when the spirits saw him and immediately threw the boy into convulsions and he fell to the ground and rolled around foaming at the mouth doing exactly what the dad said happened to him whenever this demon would, would take over him. And verse 21, how long has this been happening to him? Again, Jesus asked a question of which he already knew the answer, but Jesus asked the father. So the, from childhood, the father said, and many times it has thrown him into fire or water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, everything is possible for the one who believes. You should underline verse 23. Immediately, the father of the boy cried out, I do believe, help my unbelief. In other words, I believe this, but man, I'm really struggling here because I've seen what's happening to my son. And so verse 25, when Jesus saw that a crowd was quickly gathering, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And then it came out, shrieking and throwing him into a terrible convulsions, and the boy became like a corpse. He looked like he was dead. So many said, in fact, he is. Verse 27, but Jesus, taking him by the hand, raised him up and stood up. And after he had gone into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? And he told them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer. Now, this is a passage that brings about a couple of important elements when we begin talking about 21 days of prayer and fasting. Now, as we read, as we saw in this passage, the disciples were, uh, were approached by a dad who was heartbroken over his son. The son uh, had a demon uh, that was possessing him and that, as we just read, at times actually almost killed him. Tried to throw him into the water where he might drown, to try to throw him in the fire where he might burn up. I mean, this was a, a, a very desperate situation, and any of us in this room who are fathers or mothers or, or grandfathers or grandmothers, and by the way, I'm a new grandfather. Did I tell you that? I already told you. Yeah, okay. Sorry. Uh, it had nothing to do with the sermon, but I had to throw that out one more time. And so, uh, obviously, you understand the, the desperate nature in which this dad was walking through this situation. Like, like I've got to save my son. My boy, he's, he's going to die. And I brought him to your disciples, and they couldn't do it. They could not heal my son. Now, here's the reason that was such a conflict. The reason this was such a, an issue of why they were arguing amongst themselves is remember in the passage of Scripture where Jesus said to his disciples, I'm going to give you all authority. And he even said to cast out demons. 
He made it very clear. I'm going to give you the ability. I'm going to give you the power to do these signs, to do these miracles so that people would be able to point their hearts towards God, that they would see the power that is present, not because of what you can do, but because of the presence of God in your life, that I'm going to give you that authority. And so the disciples couldn't do it. Now we read the rest of the story. And so, you know, Jesus obviously said, you know, yes, I can do it. And It's not a problem. All things are possible through God if you believe, right? So we understand that. And Jesus healed the boy and the boy is is completely healed. The, The demon is gone. But then afterwards, when the crowd had dispersed, when everybody had gone away, the disciples are sitting in the corner and you can kind of see it. It doesn't say it. So this is not scripture. This is not like biblical text I'm about to give you. But you can kind of read in the lines, between the lines here, and you can see the disciples were probably a little bit upset. They were probably a little bit like miffed, if you will, at Jesus. Because Jesus had said, I'm going to give you all authority. And yet the disciples, who thought they had the power to cast out that demon, who thought they had the ability to do what that dad had asked them to do, when the dad asked them and the boy is there and they tried they failed. And probably they tried several times and they failed. Again, it's not in the scripture. I'm reading between the lines here, but, but you can kind of get the idea. You can see Peter, the rambunctious Peter, always running out ahead of the crowd. Peter, you can see like all of the other disciples are there like, man, we want to do this. And they want to do it from a pure heart and a spirit of, 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 of concern over this child of, of displaying the power of God. But Then when they failed the first time, it's like, well, okay, we'll try it again. Oh, well, we'll try it again. Now they're getting like, okay, seriously, we're we're embarrassing ourselves here, right? You can see that. All of us would feel that same kind of thing. Again, that's not in the scripture. Please don't say that, you know, don't go home tonight and, and look it up in your Bible. Like, where did it say they were embarrassed? Okay, it's not there, but they were humans, and they probably felt a little bit of that condition, right? They felt a little bit of that, that understanding. And so when they got... After the people had left, and they got in alone in a room with Jesus, and they said, okay, seriously, um, in a respectful way, I'm sure, Jesus, you told us that we would be able to do this, and we tried, and we couldn't. Why is that so? And they probably, they certainly ask with, with full and total respect and reverence, but you can also kind of expect like, okay, Jesus, seriously, what's the deal here? Like, what happened here, Right? And then Jesus made a statement in this passage, and he said that this kind of thing can only come out by prayer. Now, what I just read to you from the Christian Standard Bible says from, by prayer. In the New King James Version, in the King James Version, it says by prayer and fasting. Now, the reason that there is somewhat of a, a, a kind of a difference here between what I read to you from the CSB versus the New King James or the King James or other translations is because when you go back to uh, the, the earliest of texts that we have of, of documents that, that, that recorded the words of, of Mark and also from Matthew in chapter 17, verse 21 of Matthew, um, the earliest text that we can find going all the way back to the third century, they include the statement and fasting. And there are others that they have found where the pages are ripped and when they go through and look at the page and they put it back together and they see that there's a gap there where there's something missing that it it fits just about the same size of the wording of and fasting and and the majority of texts from the third and the fourth and the fifth century that were done by scribes 
And remember, they didn't have copy machines back then. They didn't have, you know, word processors. They didn't have Microsoft Word. Like, they literally had the people sit down and they had to actually write letter for letter with a pen. And they wrote this down and copied it over and over and over again. And that was their job all the time to write these things down. And so, the majority of the texts that we have back from the 3rd, the 4th, and the 5th century, the earliest of texts that we, that we can find... They, they, many of them have that statement and fasting, but yet some do not. So, so some translations delete and fasting. Uh, Matthew chapter 17 deletes it completely in most of the translations. And, but yet here uh, in the New King James, the King James, it, it includes it because again, most of them have it. So that's not really an arg- argument here that we need to get into the hermeneutics of like, like why or where to go or what happened. I'm not going to get into that. Here's what we're going to talk about. What Jesus said is, this is something bigger. This is different. Now, why was it different? I can't answer that question, but here's what I can tell you. Jesus gave a distinction to a situation that had presented itself to them that was so big and so overwhelming and so significant that they just simply couldn't go and just do routine stuff. They couldn't just keep going in the same path that they'd been walking. They had to take an extra step. They had to go a little bit farther. They had to do something that was over the top. They had to do something that was remarkable in order to experience the victory over this situation than they have of all the other situations they'd walked through. Now, that sets the stage, it sets the table, if you will, for what we talk about here in this idea of prayer and fasting. Why is it a game changer? Jesus lays it out for it right here. Because sometimes there are things in your journey, things in your life that are so big and so huge and so overwhelming and so heartbreaking and so challenging and so difficult and desperate that you need to go beyond the simple times of prayer in your life, that you need to go the extra mile. And that's what we're doing here starting today. Now, why would that be? Well, that would be because we live in a time when I think going the extra mile is the very least that we should do. We live in a time in our world today where people are running from God. We live in a time today when we're facing overwhelming situations there, we live in a time today, and we mentioned some of them a few moments ago, where there's just like, man, these weights, these burdens are so big, and, the, and the, they're so overwhelming, and they're, they're holding us down, they're pressing us down, like, like we need the power of God to show up and do, as Jesus said, this kind of thing that we want to happen because of the prayer and the fasting, the, the significance of God's people simply saying, we're willing to go the extra mile. And that's what we're asking you to do. Now, when you leave today, we're going to be handing you a, a couple of things that we want you to take with you. That you can just slide into your Bible or, or into your purse or into your briefcase. You can put it on your refrigerators at home to make sure that you keep up with it. But what this is, is a, a kind of a, a prayer guide that we're going to give you. It's a, it says 21 days of prayer and fasting at the top. And on this document that you're going to be given when you leave the room today, you'll see that there are lots of different things that we're going to be asking you to pray for, things we're going to be asking you to pray over. When you look at this list, there's going to be things that we want to be asking you to pray about specific situations within our local church, within this ministry, things we want you to be praying for, things that are happening in our community, in our nation. 
things we're asking you to pray over with regards to our missionaries, and we list out our missionaries here that we want you to pray over. And so we've given you a a, a prayer guide, a prayer list of of 21 days of things we want you to be praying specifically about in uh, in our season of prayer and fasting here. On the back of this document, you'll see that we've left it completely blank. Here's why. Because there are lots of things in your life that we don't know what it is that God needs to show up and do. There are things in your life that are so overwhelming, things where you need to go the extra mile in your situation, where I can't sit down and write that down for you. Only you can do that because it's the the prayer and the cry of your heart. And so you can, on the back of this document, write down those things of of what it is that that you need to seek, that, that extra measure of the power of God in your life that you write those down and then for the next 21 days that you're going to be praying over these situations now I'm going to ask you to do something for me when you get this document now I'm not going to see what's on the back obviously we're not going to get that back from you that that's yours and you keep it we'll never see it right but on the front of this it actually asks we're going to ask you to be praying for uh for in one part of it praying for leaders We're going to ask you to pray for our city council, for our mayor. We're going to ask you to pray for our Virginia senators and our delegates who represent us in in Richmond. We're going to ask you to pray for our senators and our representatives that represent us in Washington and and lead us there. Now, there's one thing, and again, I'll take full responsibility, even though I didn't do it. (laughs) That's kind of a cop-out, isn't it? Anyway, so there's one person and one group of people that are left out on this document that I want you to write at the, like somewhere in here that you're going to be praying for, like in this column here that every day you're going to pray. Pray for our president and our vice president and our leaders in the executive branch. It's not on here, and I apologize for it. It should be. Scripture tells us to pray for our leaders, and and that's been left off, and so I'm going to ask you to pray, and pray for our president. Pray for President Biden. Pray for Vice President Harris. Now, I know there are some in this room who say, I don't want to pray for them. Um, That's wrong. That's sin because God says to pray for them. And listen, full disclosure, like there are a lot of things that I would like to change about our president and vice president, their actions, their policies. I get it. You know, I understand. But here's what God says to pray for them. And here's what I, if our God can do anything, our God can change the hearts of our leaders, right? And so we want to pray for them as well. So I'm going to ask you to write that on there. Now, the other thing we're going to hand out to you today when you leave is this uh, bookmark. And I'm going to ask you to take this bookmark. Now, on the back of this bookmark, it has a whole thing about prayer and fasting, of why, why fasting, the purpose, the sacrifice, the obedience, the freedom that we can find from it, the wisdom that can come from it. Have all of that here you can take with you, put it in your Bible. On the other side, it says beyond belief. And that's the sermon series we're starting next week because along with and companion to what we're going to be walking through here in our prayer and fasting is we're going to begin and starting next week, we're going to start pre- uh, preaching through and walking through the miracles that Jesus performed. In other words, if we're asking God to do miraculous things, let's go back and let's see what Jesus actually did. And we're going to go through the Gospels and we're going to hand you a booklet next week that we'll, we're going to be walking through that. And so you can take this with you and you can pick these up as you leave today. And so this idea of like this kind of thing can only come by prayer and by fasting. And so let's ask ourselves the question from this path, like why is fasting along with prayer so very important? Why is this an important part of our spiritual journey? Well, the first thing is this, it's because it's expected. It's expected of us to pray and it's expected of us to fast. This is not some unique thing. It's not something that like, well, you know, every once in a while, like maybe it shows up. Like Jesus actually made the statement where he expects us to fast. 
Now, if we go to Matthew chapter 6, and Matthew chapter 6 is verses 5 and 6, this is the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is giving this powerful sermon in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 that we have studied here even uh, in the last year or two. And, and in this passage, he says these words. He says, whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door, pray to your father who's in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, this is an important passage because in this passage, we read some expectations and we read some promises. It starts with an expectation. Whenever you pray. Now, Jesus didn't say, if you pray. He didn't say if you find time to pray. He didn't say, listen, if your schedule permits and you pray. No, he said whenever you pray. In other words, there was an expectation there that Jesus had of every believer that you are to pray. And here's the reward. It says, and when you do so, your father who sees you in secret will reward you. What a powerful statement. In other words, Jesus said this, pray and you will be blessed. Pray and you will be rewarded. Pray and God will show up and do what only God can do. But now, after this statement that he makes in Matthew chapter 6, he gives us the Lord's Prayer, he gives us the model prayer. But look what he says in verse 16. In verse 16, Jesus went on to say, And whenever you fast, don't be gloomy like the hypocrites, for they make their faces unattractive so that their fasting is obvious to people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you fast, verse 17, when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting isn't obvious to others, but to uh, your father who's in secret and another promise, your father who sees in secret will reward you. In other words, Jesus makes a very clear statement, right? It's a statement, a promise. It's a statement of expectation. He says, when you pray, when you fast, God will reward, God will reward. That's a pretty good deal. That the God of the universe said, listen, if you do this, I will do this. That's pretty neat to think about. Because that God who said that is the God who created everything. It's the God who parted the waters for Moses and the children of Israel. It's the God who had the, uh, the clock, the time, the sun stood still in the Old Testament. It's the God who, who has done miraculous things. He, he's the one who crawled, sent down fire for Elijah that consumed the altar. He, he's the God who, who saved Noah and his family when the entire earth was covered with water and everyone perished. He's the God that can do incredible, miraculous, amazing things. And that God said, hey, when you do this, I'm going to reward you. You see, it's expected of us as followers of Jesus Christ that we're going to pray and then we're going to fast and then we're going to seek the power of God in our lives to seek what God, only God can do. It ex it's expected of us, but it's also what this does is it exposes the power of God. When we have this opportunity of prayer and fasting, it exposes what God can do. Rick Warren wrote in a booklet he had a few years ago some examples of, uh, in Scripture of prayer and fasting. Talks about Moses before he received the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 34. It says, Moses was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights, and he did not eat food or drink water. 
and he wrote the Ten Commandments, the words of the covenant on the tablets. God gave us the Ten Commandments, the, 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 the statements of which we, all of, of law around the world is based upon. God gave that to us after Moses went for 40 days without food and without water. The Israelites fasted and prayed before miraculous victory in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1. After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites, together with some of the Meonites, came to fight against Jehoshaphat. And people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast number from the, beyond the Dead Sea and from Edom have come to fight against you. They are already in Hazen Tamar, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat was afraid, and he resolved to seek the Lord. He was scared about what was happening. He was about to be attacked, and it says that he sought the Lord. And so how did he seek the Lord? He proclaimed a fast for all of Judah, who gathered to seek the Lord. They even came from all the cities of Judah to seek him. He declared a time of prayer and fasting because certain destruction was on the way. And look what it says in verse 15 of that passage. And he said, listen carefully, all Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, God speaking, this is what the Lord says, do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast number. Listen to these words, for the battle is not yours, but God's. There are some people in this room today that you're in the midst of a battle and you need to be reminded the battle is not yours, it's God's. And what our response should be is not trying to figure out how to get through and get out. Our response should be, how do we get into the presence of God and allow him to do what he and only he can do? And Daniel, he prayed and fasted to receive guidance from God. Daniel chapter 9, verse 3, it says, Daniel said, so I turned my attention to the Lord God to seek him by prayer and petitions with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. Nehemiah, while rebuilding the city. In Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 4, and when I heard these words, I sat down and wept and I mourned for a number of days fasting and praying for before the God of the heavens. Jesus himself, when he was walking through a season of temptation with Satan in Luke chapter 4, and then Jesus left the Jordan full of the Holy Spirit and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness and for 40 days to be tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days and when they were over, he was hungry. I love that statement. It talks about like the fact that, number one, that he is 100% man while being 100% God, and as 100% man, after 40 days without eating, a simple statement, an understatement, and he was hungry. What a statement. But then that's also the passage of Scripture where we find where Jesus made the declaration, he made the statement, man shall not live by bread alone. In other words, it's through and by the power of God that we find our deliverance. So why is prayer and fasting, why is it so important? Man, it's because it's expected of us, but it also exposes the power of God in our lives. And we need that power to show up and to do what only he can do. So what's the purpose of fasting and prayer? What is it about fasting and prayer that that, that really kind of takes us that extra mile? What's the element of it that literally makes a difference? Well, the first is it focuses our faith. It focuses our faith. It helps us to to like drill down, to dial into our faith before God and recognize that, that, that we're setting aside things. We're setting aside things that can be distractions. We're setting aside things that are important and seeking God and God alone. Look what it says in Acts chapter 13, verses two and three, when they were looking for people to go out and do the ministry of spreading the gospel around the world. And it says, as they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have also called them. And then after they had fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them off. 
what happened when they sent them off? Well, when Saul went out, as Paul, and went out and, and did the ministry that God called him to do, we know like the entire world was impacted. Why? Because it started with prayer and fasting. Elmer Towns says this. In fact, Elmer Towns is sitting right over there. He could come up and say it himself, but I'll just say it for him. He said this before, just, just stopping eating will not get answers to your prayer. You have to spend time with God. You're not fasting to get your prayers answered. You're fasting to know God, to hunger and thirst after righteousness. In other words, we don't need to allow ourselves to uh, buy into the idea that we're fasting and we're praying just simply to get something from God. It's not like this prosperity gospel kind of theology of like, oh, if I only do this, God's going to do this. And if I give $5, God's going to give me 50. Or if I pray and fast for three days, well, God's going to show up and do incredible things. We don't do that. It's not that we're praying and fasting for God to answer our prayers. We're praying and fasting so that we can get to know God better. And when you get to know God better, then you will realize who God is and what God can do, and you will trust Him more. And when you trust Him more, you'll be able to sit back and say, wow, look what God has done. And so we need to understand that it helps us to focus our faith. It gets our eyes off of the things that we think are important, and it fixes our eyes on the one thing that truly is important, and that is the presence of God in our lives. And so it helps us to focus our faith, but it also helps us to set our desires aside to seek the desires of God. And boy, that's a big one, because everybody in this room have things in your life that you desire. I've told you the story before. In fact, I, uh, years ago when I shared it one time, and I shared it a few times in different sermons, I talked about it, and all of a sudden, uh, my prayers got answered. Because when I talked about how when I was a kid, I always prayed, I, one day I want a Lamborghini. And, and people in this room, they went out, they actually bought me Matchbox Lamborghinis. I have in my office right now, I have a shelf that's full of Lamborghinis. Now, I can't drive them, but they're sitting on the shelf. And I know I'll never have a real Lamborghini, but boy, I've got some, some I needed to be more specific with God. When I said, God, I want a Lamborghini one day, I, I should have said, I want a large Lamborghini that has an engine that I can drive. But I didn't do that. And so I do have, and so what happens is so often we fix our eyes on the things that we want, that we desire. And understand this, when you fix your eyes on the things that you desire rather than the things that God desires, number one, your faith is way too small. And number two, it's way too selfish. And so understand, it sets our desires aside to seek the desires of God. Psalm 35, verse 13, yet when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled myself with fasting, and my prayer was genuine. In other words, we literally humble ourselves. We set the things aside that are important for us, and we look and seek for the things that are important to God. Zechariah chapter 7, verse 4 and 5. After they had created a time of fasts in Babylon when uh, Jerusalem and the temple had been de destroyed and, and they're there in captivity and they're, they're, they're praying and they set up fasts there in the, uh, the body of Israel, the family of Israel. And then when they began to rebuild, then the word of the Lord of the armies came to me, ask all the people of the land and the priest, when you fasted and lamented in the fifth and in the seventh months, those fasts that they created in Babylon for these 70 years, did you really fast for me? In other words, you fasted during those months because the temple had been destroyed and, and the city had been destroyed and you fasted that it would be restored. But were you really fasting to, to spend time with me, to experience me, or were you fasting for the things that you desired? 
I would encourage you, challenge you, desperately challenge you that when you sit down with that piece of paper and today and in the days to come, you sit down and you start writing down the things that you want to seek God for during these 21 days. Don't sit there and seek and and try to like, like, here are the things that I want. Your number one prayer should be, God, make the desires of my heart the desires of yours. God, I pray that the things that I want are the things that you want. Now, certainly, that doesn't mean you can't pray for a family member who's sick. It doesn't mean you can't pray for a a financial need that you have. It doesn't mean you can't pray for a relationship that is going through a difficult season. But what it does mean is this, is I want to seek the things of God first. And why is that so important? Well, we go back to the Sermon on the Mount. What did Jesus say there? Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And then I love that little promise that comes along with it. And all of these things shall be added to you. You see, we get our hearts in the right places. We set aside our desires to seek the desires of God. The third thing that it does, it reveals the kind of power which can only come from God. In Ezra chapter 8, verses 21 and 23, I love this this little passage here. It says, I proclaimed a fast by the Ahava River. So that we might humble ourselves before our God and ask Him for a safe journey for us and our dependents and all our possessions. As a dad, I have prayed that prayer a thousand times over my family. God, I pray that you would give us a safe journey as a family. God, I pray that you would be with my kids. God, I pray that you would provide. There's not a person in this room who has not prayed those prayers that we read in Ezra chapter 8. But then listen to verse 22. I did this because I was ashamed to ask the king for infantry and cavalry to protect cavalry to protect us from the, the enemies during the journey since we had told him the hand of our God is gracious to all who seek him, but his fierce anger is against all who abandon him. And so verse 23, so we fasted and pleaded with our God about this. And listen to what it says. And he was receptive to our prayer. Why were they seeking the hand of God and praying for the presence of God? They weren't seeking for deliverance. They weren't seeking for God to give them everything that they wanted. Here's what they were seeking. They were asking for the presence of God. They were seeking the hand of God in their lives because they wanted to be faithful. And when they did that, it says, and he, God, was receptive to our prayer. Bill Bright said it this way. Fasting reduces the power of self so that the Holy Spirit can do a more intense work within us. Don't you love that? That He can do a more intense work within us. So the third thing, quickly. Does fasting actually make a difference? And this is really when it gets down to the rubber meets the road. This is really the importance. Does fasting actually make a difference? And I just jotted down some some three quick statements that I want to give you here. They're not going to be on the screen. They probably should be, but I didn't tell them to. So it's my bad, not theirs. But the first one is this. The power of fasting has less to do with what we give up and more to do with who we run to. The power of fasting is not found in what we give up. That's why Jesus said, when you fast, don't try to be gloomy. In other words, don't sit back and say, oh, I'm fasting, I'm so hungry, I'm famished, and you know, look, at how, look how holy I am because I'm fasting. I can tell you that little kid that said, I would give up pizza maybe for a month. I had pizza for dinner last night. You know why I did? Because I knew I was fasting today and I wanted to get one last shot of pizza, right? 
I mean, yeah, yeah, it's easy to give the point. I mean, I, I'm just so hungry. I get it. I understand it. But what he's what saying, look, don't make that the focus of what you're doing. It has less to do with what you give up and has far more to do with who you run to. The second statement, prayer and fasting is a discipline which reveals God's ultimate authority and power in our lives. When you give up the things that are important to you, which is what you should do when you fast, when you give up the things that are important to you, it reveals that the thing that is the most important is the presence of God, His ultimate authority and power in our lives. The third statement, prayer and fasting takes us into a deeper relationship with God than we could ever experience otherwise. We gather together here every week, and we've been doing it for 50, or 60, 60 what? How many years? Somebody do math, quick. Six, what? There it is, 67. Great. We've been doing this for one reason and one reason alone. We've been doing it because we want to take ourselves into a deeper relationship with God. Prayer and fasting helps us to get a little bit of an accelerant to do that. It gets us a little bit further down the road into that deeper, more meaningful experience in relationship with God that that's what we long for why because as we sang those words of that song when we were about to begin this sermon we heard the words that were in the middle of that song the things that you've spoken will come to pass not the things that I want not the things that I desire not the things that I long for but God the things that you've spoken You see, prayer and fasting takes us to a place where we are seeking the heart of God. That we want to hear from God what He speaks, what He says, what He believes, what He loves. And then we want to align ourselves up with that. And that's why we walk into a season of prayer and fasting. Judd and the team is going to come back up and we're going to to end our time together with that song again. Because I want us to recognize and understand what prayer and fasting really is all about. It's about God alone. It's about seeking Him. Not what we want, not what we desire. Yes, we're going to have a list of things that we're seeking God for. I already know what I'm going to write out, what I'm going to list, what I'm going to pray for for me and for my family and and the specific things. And and you should do that. Specific needs that we're praying for that I I know deliberately, the things that I'm going to write down, I'm praying for my wife for this. I'm praying for my children for Like I know those things. But that's not what prayer and fasting is all about. That is the the byproduct. That's the promise of God that whenever you pray, whenever you fast, what you do, God will reward. So yes, it's a byproduct. That's not the reason. The reason is, is because I want to get to know the person who can do it. I want to get to know the person who actually can answer my prayers more. Because that's the ultimate gift. That's the ultimate benefit of prayer and fasting. Is not what you get. It's who you know. It's the one that speaks truth. It's the one that when you are standing in his presence, the fears and the pain, the sorrows of life subside. Because you can sit back and recognize that he's the God of the universe. He's the God who knows all. The God who created all. The God who loves The God who speaks, the God who gives, the God who saves. And so today, with our heads bowed and with our eyes closed, 
in this moment, I'm just going to ask you, as we embark on a 21-day journey of seeking the power and the presence of that God, what is it you're seeking God for? Now, in a moment, we're going to end together in worship. But as we end together in worship, our our team is going to gather here at the front. And, And there may be someone in this room that what you need to seek God for today is salvation. We've talked about that a lot today. We always do, that God loves you, that God sent us on Jesus to die on the cross for you. He rose again, and that he did so that you might find and experience salvation. And it comes to him and him alone. And so as we're worshiping together at the close of our service, I'm gonna encourage you, if you've never met him, man, our team is here. We'd love to talk with you about that. You just come on down and, and just say, hey, listen, I, I wanna get saved today. Maybe you want to come during our time of worship. Now listen to me. During our time of worship, maybe you want to come and you want to kneel here and you want to say, God, as I start this journey, God, I want to seek you. I want to find you, God. I want to know you. Maybe what you want to do today as an individual or as a couple or as a family, that you want to come here and start this 21-day journey in a time of prayer at this altar. That you just come down and you just say, God, this next 20, it's all about you. Maybe you want to do that. Maybe you want to come to join our church family or come for baptism. Lots of things you could come for. But but, but specifically, if you want to meet Christ, man, we want to talk to you. But the rest of you, like, come and, and just kneel here during this time of worship. And in prayer, start this journey with the most important statement you could make. God, I seek you. Because that's really what it's all about. And so, let's stand together. And together, we're going to end our service in a time of worship. And here's why God promises to inhabit the praise of his people. We're asking God for his presence. We're asking God to inhabit the praise of his people. And so that's why worship is not something we just do on a Sunday morning. We do it every day. And so let's worship together. Let's seek God. The altar is open. I encourage you to come and pray. I encourage you to come to talk with one of our team members. If you want to come and just pray as a family, I encourage you to do that as we embark on a journey where we simply say, God, what you have spoken will come to pass. Judd. I hold fast this one conviction. You're the rock, the firm foundation. Solid ground, I won't be shaken. I rest in God and God alone. I rest in God and God alone. My only hope, the cornerstone through every trial, a fire or storm, all else will fail.
as we embark on 21 days of prayer and fasting, whatever it is that we set aside, whatever it is what the individuals in this room have decided that they're going to, to pull back from during this time, God, I pray that you would help us, Lord, to not fixate or focus on the things we're giving up, but rather to focus on you. God, I pray that you would show up and do a mighty work. God, I pray that you would show up and do miraculous things. God, I pray that you would bring restoration and healing and hope. God, I pray that you would bring provision. God, I pray that you would do, Lord, amazing, incredible things, God, that only you can do because this kind of thing, whatever it might be, can only come through prayer, through fasting. So God, we seek your heart. We seek your presence. We seek your power. And God, we thank you in advance that you've already promised that what we do in secret, that God, you will reward. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before you leave today, so what we're going to do today, go out and have a great lunch. Eat an early dinner. But when the sun goes down tonight, whatever it is that you're setting aside, if it's food, if it's electronics or whatever, when the sun goes down, the fast begins for 21 days. It ends on Super Bowl Sunday, so we'll be able to have our food for the game. But seek the face, the presence, and the power of God. God bless you, and we'll see you back next Sunday morning. Thank you for worshiping with us today. We're so glad you joined us. If you prayed to receive Christ today, we'd love to hear from you. We want to help you as you begin this new journey of faith in Jesus Christ. Send an email to the address on the screen, pastor at trbc.org. Likewise, if you've never accepted God's free gift of salvation, the forgiveness of sins made possible by the death and resurrection of Jesus, but you'd like to know more, we're here to help you. Just reach out to us and we'd love to tell you more. Our mission at Thomas Road is to change our world by developing Christ followers who love God and love people. If you'd like to help us fulfill that mission by giving to our ministry, go to the link on your screen and make your contribution today. Help us help others with the life-changing truth of God's love.